0: Welcome to Discokea Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Discoculia. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Discoke Headlines. You can also find us on the web at discokuliaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. Discoolia, go ahead, label it. Help battling test anxiety. Discovering Discoculia get into college with this cochlea, and missing out. This is our podcast for week 14 in 2018. We welcome Dr. Strider, the founder of Disco Cochlea Services, to help us review the links of this week. Welcome, Dr. Strider.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Well, we have wonderful, interesting links this week to look at. And the first link talks about labeling this cochlea. Shall we do that? Or not? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: What is the question? That yeah, what well, well, that
1: is the question. This is it's an interesting question, and it has has uh, many sides. It's more what what you do with that label. Uh, this is from the from the uh, Twix blog, and it is definitely a point that's often debated. I hear a lot about it in schools. Uh, people have various ideas uh, about uh, labeling children. Um, and there are so many uh, learning disabilities. Some of them are better defined than others. Uh, so it it is a, a difficult issue, just the definition. Mm-hmm. Now the DSM um, has stopped mentioning uh, the specific uh, words dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia in their manual. And I think because they were uh, they were afraid that it would be used as a short for a Treatment instead of having a psychologist or somebody who does a test look into more depth into the background into underlying um, issues that might um, sprout up in different uh, directions. Now, right,
0: so that was a, a well intended move that was
1: definitely there was research of confusion about it. Yes, there was, and and but it caused confusion. Down the line in a school district, because some of them immediately say, "Oh, it doesn't exist," so we don't. <laughs> and so and, and right. let's, let's not <laughs> even <laughs> don't go <mean> there. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, also some parents don't like their uh, child to be labeled because they uh, are still stuck in the uh, old-fashioned belief that it's if you have that is a stigma that yeah. you have. Um, a label for your whole life, and that nothing can be done anymore, and that it would be better.
0: You never get a good job. Yes, <laughs> right. you are
1: definitely stuck with that. So that's another thing, um, and that obviously trickles down in in school districts. So other uh, school districts uh, tend to have a policy that you can only have one label at a time. That's that's even <laughs> more mind boggling. Yeah. Because need to be organized. Yes, it's neatly organized, but it is it is a well known fact that between forty and sixty percent of students with a uh, learning uh, difference have also an other issue or a learning difference. Mm-hmm. So that that is even even weirder. Anyway, um, in this article, um, the writer tries to explain what those various labels mean. Yeah. And that is important. They're not completely uh, uh, written out uh, to a lot of details, but okay. And her best quote here is that labels do not define who a child is, but it can give us a better sense of what a child is living with in their educational day-to-day life. Now, better understanding leads us to better support and I totally believe that, I can definitely agree with that, labeling is only useful if it is a starting point of addressing the issues, not as a set in stone stamp.
0: Right. Okay. Okay, well that sounds good. now the next label and uh, the next label that we have here the next post is about battling text anxiety. Is that also a label
1: <laughs> well it 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 could be because it is very influential. This is from the advocat uh, dot o r g very good website um, and uh, here's here you can say this is the the famous chicken or egg problem. What came first, the anxiety, and therefore they started to fail in math, or they already failed several times in math, and that uh, started to spark the anxiety. Yeah. Well, maybe in this case, other than with the chicken and the egg, it could also be both. Right. Uh, but let's remember what we know about anxiety, which is that it takes a big toll on working memory. Mm-hmm. And working memory is essential in doing math. So, uh, anxiety is very counterproductive. We really need to keep that at bay. And it is really an issue that will throw a young life into disarray. Also families suffer on the under the anxiety from, from one of the, the children. And if one of
0: the children has anxiety, yeah.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. that trickles down right. in the whole family. Dinner
0: the night before must be hell. It's yeah. coming up the next day.
1: Now the the best thing is to acknowledge that there is an issue, and to work with the children to take away the pressure as much as you can. and And the article gives a few options also to work on that, like uh, obviously good preparation yeah, is is helps. important. Writing out the fears before a test can clear your mind; it's out of your system, so to say. And uh, all kinds of uh, strategies to calm yourself down a little bit, like breathing exercises, mindfulness uh, training, grounding techniques, they can all be really useful. Now, most important is to recognize anxiety as a real condition. And to understand that just telling that child to, um, to get, over it, get over it, that's not a solution. Remember that physiologically the blood flow in the brain will actually change and will be directed away from the areas in the brain uh, that you need for higher order thinking and and doing math and they will only go to the areas that have to do with fright and flight. And so that means that they even can't think clearly anymore. Right. So uh, and that that might take five or ten minutes to recuperate, but for some children uh, it takes almost an hour. So you can lose your complete. Uh, math instruction hour to anxiety
0: right and and by that time your test is over
1: exactly so it's a huge problem and parents would do really well to to read this article and and try to help as best that they can thank you for posting that
0: yeah well well thank you very much for the uh, thorough explanation the next link is about uh, uh, discovering this cochlear now it's a video so let's listen in for a minute Uh, Let me see, it starts here.
2: Hi, I'm Cheryl Jackson. Welcome to Your Voice. You've probably heard of dyslexia, a learning disability that prevents people from seeing words properly. But have you ever heard of dyscalculia? It's like dyslexia for numbers. People who have dyscalculia can't see numbers the way most of us do. They may confuse numbers, or they may not understand that there are other ways to represent numbers. For example, that the number seven could also be represented by seven dots on a page. Dyscalculia affects an estimated 5% of children, making it nearly as common as dyslexia, yet so few of us have ever heard of it. Why is this learning disability off the radar? What causes dyscalculia in children, and how do parents and educators help kids who have it? I'm joined by three people who can help us answer these questions. Here in studio is mathematician John Mighton, He's the founder of the innovative numeracy program, Jump Math, which is being used in education systems around the world. He's also author of The Myth of Ability, Nurturing Mathematical Talent in Every Child, and The End of Ignorance, Multiplying Our Human Potential. On the phone from London, Ontario, is Daniel Ansari. He's a developmental cognitive neuroscientist at the University of Western Ontario. He researches dyscalculia and the brain mechanisms underlying numeracy and mathematics. And finally, joining us via webcam is Mahesh Sharma. He is the president of the Center for Teaching and Learning Maths in Framingham, Massachusetts. He was a mathematics professor for 35 years and is a leading expert on dyscalculia. He joins us today from Brookline, New Hampshire.
0: Well, we don't have time to uh, to listen to all these uh, great thinkers, but it uh, sounds like a good lineup. Uh, can can you uh, abbreviate for us what the uh, what the video says? What, well, wait, actually, what, are, what are we what are we discovering the, here? The,
1: the, the funniest thing is that the presenter herself. Uh, before this show didn't know what uh, this Calculia was and uh, she have put together a really really interesting program um, you just heard the three very very professional and knowledgeable people that uh, experts, participate, absolutely. real experts, this is a, this is a world class um, presentation and I would definitely encourage all teachers and parents Um, who have uh, children who struggle in math to listen to it because uh, you will really get uh, important in-depth information uh, in a very short period here and um, also they suggest for children it is really important that they own their learning difference they own the dyscalculia, right and become familiar with it. the ins and outs uh, they shouldn't be shy about it it doesn't mean that they are um, they are uh, not smart right it's just how their brain That's works how the right. at this moment it that also can change over time and the link with the post also has a guide for parents on how to recognize dyscalculia, and how to help their children with that so, um, yeah, I can warmly recommend uh, this link
0: Absolutely We're talking to Dr. Sverder the founder of servicescom and we're looking at the links provided on our website DiscoCuliaHeadlines.com Now the next link uh, brings up the question about how do we get into college with DiscoCulia, is that even possible?
1: Well um, yes uh, this is a um, Uh, a link to a story about a student who is now uh, in Arizona State University as a junior junior, uh, majoring in psychology and she um, she tells us about the difficulties, the ups and downs that she had to go through to get into college, it was definitely not easy, she is a very persistent young lady uh, I can big smile. Definitely <laughs> yeah, recommend. Definitely. D- comment her about that. Um, but it's it's so important that we know that those people uh, are smart and should be able to uh, enjoy college uh, education. And the article is written. Uh, it's on the understood website, mm-hmm. and uh, they. Give a lot of really useful information that can help you in the planning for transition from high school to further education. Uh, The formal process is really important. You need to know all the details, you need to be uh, familiar with the IEP uh, process and with the IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act and the law requires the ip team to have your child at meetings at this age where transition planning is discussed and if they can't make it if the student cannot be present the team must make sure that they are aware of their preferences and interests and uh, consider that right but be careful This is a quite lengthy process, so you need to start it well in advance, at least a year before they turn 18 in most states. And uh, you need to have a lot of information on file. Be on top of it, but it can be done. Now, some transition services can only be provided by uh, an outside organization and not by the school. So during that transition planning, um... The number of people involved and and the people uh, present at that IP meeting may be uh, larger than what you're used to.
0: Right.
1: And so you
0: pull in other knowledgeable folks to help exactly out with that yes okay. that,
1: that even may okay. be employment agency staff and, okay. and job specialists, yes so with that parents should read up on their rights and ensure that the school follows their obligations as, as is outlined in the law
0: right I wasn't even aware of that that follow-up but it's uh, it's a great uh, great article and uh, people should read that certainly if you have kids in that uh, in that age.
1: Yeah, a school district nearby here actually had a whole day seminar for parents that I attended attended uh, a few years ago, with a whole binder for parents and uh, a lot of uh, information that they can uh, research. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, our final link for the week is about missing out, and so this looks a little bit like the... Fear of missing out? FOMO. Oh, the FOMO. The <laughs> FOMO. Is that, is that yeah, what this is yeah, about? Yeah,
1: yeah, maybe, maybe in a way. Well, this post, uh, this post highlights a poster and it was presented at a conference from the Mathematical Cognition and Learning Society. And this picture was taken from a Twitter feed because uh, as we were afraid to miss out on all the good stuff, we followed the thing posted on Twitter okay. because we couldn't go to that really? conference. Yeah. Anyway, mm. uh, this poster is very nicely done, um, a short infographic, and it showed in a very visual way the correlations and predictions uh, that we have with um, grade two and grade three math, and also the additional role of cognitive control and of metacognition in arithmetic. Okay. It was uh, made by the people from the University of uh, Leuven, Louva in uh, French, in uh, the south of Belgium. And uh, we know several of those um, presenters there. Uh, they're uh, way into the field of and a lot of research so very well done thank you for doing that yeah, and, uh, yeah, for bringing up that it's not only the arithmetic but it's definitely also the cognitive control the inhibition the updating uh, the uh, transitioning from one uh, uh, thinking to another and then obviously the metacognition uh, which can be task-specific, but also more in general. Those things uh, need to be in place for the student to be able to make progress in math.
0: Okay, it's a very nice, uh, nice infographic. Eh? very, uh, very clear. Nice. Uh, yeah, nice obviously the the,
1: and sim- the symbolic. Yeah. Uh numerical magnitude process in yeah. which is at the basis of all uh dyscalculic problems is the number sense center that is obviously all over the place right. but that was not so surprising. No. The other two things that we that need
0: That was the, the key we uh, need to finding there. Yeah.
1: Keep that in mind.
0: Wonderful links this week, wonderful links, thank you very much for your explanations Dr. Schroeder. Dr. Schroeder is the founder of DiscoKuliaServices.com and you can follow her on Twitter and on Facebook and she has boards both on uh, Pinterest and on Flipboard. And she runs 5 free webinars and all the information about that is at webinars.DiscoKuliaTrainingCenter.com now if you want to know if you have Discoculia, you can do the free Discoculia screener on her website www.discoculiaservice.com or get a more comprehensive math and Discoculia screening test at discochoulia-testing.com Dr Schroeder is on a mission to increase the number of Discoculia tutors and she has developed a whole online course for teachers and other interested people who want to become a Discoculia tutor. And you can find all about that at discochoulia-tutor.org